Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. On this episode, we'll be focusing on that sumptuous crescent of the Italian Riviera, also known as the Ligurian Coast, specifically the eastern half, the Riviera di Levante, with rugged cliffs, turquoise coves, the colorful Cinque Terre fishing villages, and stylish resorts such as Portofino and Santa Margarita Ligure. Our guest today is David Downey, a distinguished writer who lives on the Italian Riviera from where he's talking with us today. I met David a few years ago in Paris, where he also lives. In his new mystery thriller, Red Riviera, he describes the Italian Riviera as, quote, that crescent of coast with Tuscany balanced on one end and the Côte d'Azur teetering on the other in France. Welcome, David. So good to speak with you again. Yeah, it's great to speak with you and to see you. We're going to be talking about your new mystery novel, Red Riviera, later in the episode. But first, tell me, there's so many gorgeous areas of Italy for an expat to live in. What made you choose one of Italy's smallest regions, Liguria? Well, it kind of chose me. I had some vague family ties to it. My mother was Italian, as you may know. And my wife lived in Italy for years as a child, and her family bought a house down there. And so we kind of moved in at one point because we both loved that region above almost all others in the world. And uh, it's just a fabulous place. Well, Liguria was originally home to fishermen and singers, poets, explorers, but it's now been discovered by the tourist world. I wrote about the Amalfi Coast for photos. I know that area very well. It's often compared to that coast, that Italian coast down the Med a bit. How would you compare the two? Well, the Amalfi Coast is, is stunning and amazing. I remember walking way back, probably 1979 or 80, and being struck by how beautiful it was. It's slightly different in that a lot of the action, if you will, on the Amalfi Coast is up above, up high, whereas in Liguria, you have a lot of villages up high on the hills, but you also have the kind of beach world down on the coast, right on the water's edge. And I love Ligurian food, the Riviera's food. Everybody knows Genoese pesto, uh, the green sauce, and yes. flatbread, and so forth. A lot of people don't know that ravioli come from there, too, very, very far back in the Middle Ages. And so it's, it's a pretty amazing place for food and stunning scenery and beautiful weather, especially for me, off-season. We're thinking about that area as sort of spring-like most of the time, so it's moderate, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and the truth is that it became a resort area over 100 years ago. Aristocrats of Europe, especially the Russians and people from the Nordic countries, would go down to the Riviera. Uh, They wouldn't be there in the summer. They'd arrive in October, November, December, and stay through the winter because it's generally mild. Well, I would think up in the mountains that the border that are right above it, it would be very cold. Uh, Do you get snow? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of snow. Before we get into the delicious details, tell us what you suggest about transportation and lodging in the area for maximum pleasure and time management. Liguria, the Italian Riviera, is about 200 miles. 
and it stretches from Tuscany all the way to France. So if you want to explore both sides, the eastern and the western uh, Riviera, then logically you could stay at one end or the other and then move around, or you could stay in the middle at Genoa. Genoa is the capital city at the very northern tip of the Mediterranean, and Genoa has lots of nice hotels, and it's a fascinating place to stay. It's very little known by Americans, and it's a real discovery. But you have to like the kind of medieval configuration of an Italian city with really tall old stone buildings. Some of them are a thousand years old and narrow alleyways. And it can kind of scare some people, although it's really a very safe city. On the other hand, there are plenty of places right on the coast, you know, beautiful hotels. You mentioned Santa Margherita Ligure. Santa Margherita has fabulous hotels, many, many of them. Rapallo has wonderful hotels. Portofino has one of the finest hotels in Italy, the Splendido. But it's uh, an extraordinary place in a, a convent that's been reconverted. And you will find no lack of wonderful accommodations on the Italian Riviera, I can tell you. They're I would think not. Yeah, Genoa, of course, was was one of the great republics in the 11th century, along with Venice. So I know it has tremendous history. And we know it, of course, as the birthplace of Christopher Columbus. When most of us think of Genoa, that's what we think of. But I have been there, and I, I, I think it has a very vibrant feeling. It's a rough-edged kind of style. It's yeah. eclectic. And it's a really great transportation hub. It has a good airport. It has a central train station where you can take trains to all the rest of the area. There's ferries out of there. So it's a good hub. But let's go on to some of the beauty spots. I, I think everybody first thinks of Cinque Terre. It was discovered a few years ago, and now it's become tremendously popular. Tell us a little bit about it. Cinque Terre are famous for being completely isolated on the coast, but because I don't like to mislead people and because I've written a number of books about the area, I have to tell you that almost every one of the Cinque Terre has a train station in it, and it's served by ferry boats. And most of them now have little winding roads. Granted, it takes you a very long time to drive there, and I would never encourage anyone to drive there. It's a bit of a myth that they're isolated. However, when you approach in a ferry boat uh, and you look at them perched on the coast there, they're sort of the archetypal Italian fishing villages. They also happen to be wine-growing villages. That is, they make uh, a lot of Cinque Terre wines, uh, white wine primarily, almost entirely, and a kind of uh, sweet wine that you drink with almond cookies and so forth called Chaquetra, which is very good. They used to have very important agricultural industry. It was like Machu Picchu growing everything on terraces and fishing industry. The anchovies, salted anchovies of the Cinque Terre were famous. There is still one cooperative that makes them and they're very good. But the truth, again, is that there are fewer and fewer anchovies in the Mediterranean, as everybody knows, because they're very, very popular destinations, these five little villages. The hiking is wonderful. The swimming can be wonderful, too. Very rocky, 
don't plan on the sandy beaches of Los Angeles, very coves and everything very beautiful and dramatic. That's the word I would choose. Well, it isn't just a collection of villages. It's designated as a national park, which helps protect and preserve the area. And and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. When you see it from the sea, it looks like a rainbow exploded. It's just full of color. It's the archetypal idea of an ancient fishing village. And I remember as a child, I went to this little Italian restaurant And on the wall was a picture of Cinque Terre, one of the villages. That's always what I thought of as Italy. The most beautiful part to me is looking at it from the sea. When you get inside, it's a real place. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think they're meant to be from the sea too. And yeah, I first went there in the 1970s. They were not undiscovered at the time, but compared to today, they they were very quiet. Now they tend to get very, very crowded. My advice would be would be to go um, off season. Primarily when you go to the Cinque Terre, you go there to see them and to hike because they have this network of um, hiking trails. So you don't, you don't need to be there at the height of the tourist season. And, you know, you'll be happier if you go, say, in November, December, January, February, March, April, and then it gets kind of crazy. The... As a, as a national park, by the way, is, is very recent. I, I reported on that uh, when it was being formed. And they've done a very good job in uh, saving a lot of the vineyards that were falling apart. Because you have to understand, it really is like Machu Picchu. You see stone walls, countless millions of stones piled up. They're dry stone walls. There's no cement. From basically sea level way up to about... 2,000 feet or more because it's very steep. And a lot of those uh, terraces were just collapsing once upon a time. And one of the great things the National Park has done is it's brought in money from big corporations too to help the locals restore the vineyards and bring back the wine industry. That's wonderful. Well, we mentioned a couple of other places. Rapallo is one. Is there something specific to that area that you'd like to talk about? Um, my much of my novel is set in yes Rapallo, it is and it's got a a big marina there are lots of super yachts that you see those in in Genoa too it has a little castle on the sea it's very lively it has absolutely delicious food and fabulous ice cream there's a little ice cream maker right on the seaside castle end of the seaside so Rapallo is uh, big enough that it's a real town. It's there working all year long. It's not just a seaside resort. People, I think, like it for the fact that it is a real place, like Genoa. Genoa is a real city. It's not a, a tourist city at all. Well, Portofino is definitely a tourist city because it's a beauty spot. There's not a lot except to look at it, shop there, walk around a bit, as far as I remember. Is there a yeah. beach nearby? I know there's none in Portofino. Not really. No, you don't go to Portofino to swim. You go there to buy Gucci bags and sit in a a fancy cafe or eat in a restaurant and spend huge amounts of money. It is a very fancy place. In a book I wrote many years ago, about 25 years ago or more, called Enchanted Liguria, I remember quoting a 16th century traveler. So that's 500 years ago. And he was saying that Portofino was so expensive and exclusive that they made you pay for the air you breathed. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, I know in the 1950s, the Hollywood stars began to spend their time there, Clark Gable and all those those guys. Right. And so uh, it has a, a sort of cachet. It's beautiful. I have to say that. But oh, I would yeah. say well, you don't have to spend much time. Right. I agree. So let's talk about your mystery thriller, Red Riviera, just a little bit. The Ligurian coast plays a big part and adds a gorgeous setting for your heroine, Daria Vinci, and for all kinds of intrigue on the land and the sea. And as you mentioned, much of it in Rapallo area. You're well known for writing fiction and nonfiction of France and Italy. Why did you choose to write a mystery with the setting of the Italian Riviera rather than a travel book? I've written a couple of travel books already about the area. I had this idea in my head Way back, it took a long time to mature. But I'll tell you, let me ask you this. Have you ever slipped on an anchovy? Have I ever slipped? Well, I've slipped on a banana peel, but not on an anchovy. So imagine instead of a banana peel, you're taking a hike. I'm, I'm a crazy hiker. I hike all over. So I'm hiking up in the mountains above the coast about 20 years ago. And I slip and fall because I slipped on an anchovy. And I'm looking down at this anchovy and I'm saying, what the, I mean, how did this get? And then I look out to sea and there is one of these Canadair firefighting airplanes, the kind that dip down and scoop up the water and then dump the water on fires, right? Because they have lots of wildfires. It's like California. And so then I had this fantasy about the airplane coming down and scooping up a billionaire or a spy. And in the end, he wound up being not quite a billionaire, but he was a former spy. So it was just a kind of a lark that I wanted to create. And I also had this idea for an Italian female sleuth based on all of these uh, wonderful, dynamic, smart, and very strong physically and also intellectually. Italian and other women I've known in my life, mostly more interesting and sharper and more capable than the men I've known in my life. Well, Daria is a very, very imposing young woman. (laughs) Yeah, but she's lovable and she's like all of us. As you will see when you read the sequel, too. Yes. Yes. Tell me about the sequel. Well, the sequel is called Roman Roulette, and it's set in Rome, and there are lots of scenes in ruins and the uh, catacombs that nobody really knows about, because in part because they're invented, but since I have <laughs> catacombs, I mean, I it's also... It's your book. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Murder in the Catacombs, it could be called. Oh, wow. Uh, These are perfect books to read at this particular time. I'm looking forward to that one as well. So David, the name of the podcast is Places I Remember, and we share special memories. Could you share one with us about the Italian Riviera? Yeah, a black and white photo of a young couple with a baby in their arms getting on a freighter in 1950 to leave Genoa for San Pedro, California. Those were my parents and my elder sister. And my mother was Italian, and they emigrated to California in 1950. I was born in San Francisco, but we always had that photo framed in in the house. And then in the mid-60s, my mother decided she would move us back to Italy. So we moved back to Italy and lived in Rome. But I always wanted to see Genoa. I went there in 1976 and fell in love with the place, and I've lived there on and off ever since at least part of the year. You're a lucky man. Thank you so much, David Downey, author of the delightful, gripping crime mystery, Red Riviera. 
you certainly choose fabulous places in the world to live. And thankfully, you write about them and share them with us. Ciao. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember. So follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, PlacesIRememberLealane.com, and keep making your own travel memories. <laughs>